0: I'm sure many of you know the great boxer, Muhammad Ali. At one time, he was the champion of the world, and his boasts, uh, whether on radio or on television, made sure the world knew he was the best. He bragged a lot, claiming he was always the best. A friend of his, tired of listening, hearing about his physical prowess, he was tired of Ali always claiming to be the best and it was getting old, and so perhaps to prove him wrong, knowing that Ali had never played golf, he asked Ali how he was at golf. Ali replied without skipping a beat, I'm still the best, I just haven't played it yet. And yet if you look at the life of Muhammad Ali today, a man whose body has been ravaged by Parkinson's, you understand a man who is very much humbled, a man who was not defeated in the ring, but a man who had to learn submission, losing control of the very thing he claimed to be the best at. For whatever reason, the attitude of Muhammad Ali reminds me of a very famous person in the Bible, Jesus' own disciple, Peter. You know Peter well. Uh, He was bold, he was aggressive, always wanting to be in the middle of everything and wanting to be the center of attention. The typical classic type A personality, one uh, that was dominant, strong, often acted without thinking, spoke before he thought through the ramifications of what he said. If you remember through the gospel narratives, he was a disciple who told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and he was actually commended by our Lord. And then moments later, Peter suggested that Jesus should not die. And the Lord rebuked him. Get thee behind him, Satan, Jesus said. Peter was a disciple who in his eagerness offered to build shelters for Jesus after the transfiguration. Good intentions, but wrong timing. Peter was a disciple who walked on water in his eagerness to see Jesus and yet almost drowned when he took his sights off of him. Peter was a disciple who told christ he would never wash his feet and yet when christ said unless i wash you you will have no part with me peter exclaimed then wash all of me wash my feet my hands my head my entire body you remember peter as a disciple who proclaimed that he would never disown or desert christ even if everyone fell away He, Peter, would never depart from Christ. And yet a few hours later, we see him at the courtyards of the high priest Caiaphas. And there he is vehemently denying he ever knew Jesus. Even when a little servant girl said, I've seen you with him, Peter exclaimed. I do not know what you're talking about. I swear I do not know the man. And then the rooster crowed. As I assess the life of Peter, he was very much a flawed man. But what was Peter's main problem? I believe that Peter had a problem of submission. Peter could not wait for the Lord to tell him what to do before he jumped in. When Peter thought it was a good idea, he would do it, and yet when the going got tough, He would bail. He had not fully yielded his life to Jesus. Peter had a problem with submission. Why do I think so? Because people who like to be in control have a very hard time learning to give up control in their lives. They have a very difficult time submitting to the perfect will of God. How does Peter finally learn submission? How does he learn to quiet himself and not jump into remedies and solutions before hearing the proposition of the Savior? We want to take a look at that this morning. And so we continue our sermon series entitled First Encounter. We've been looking at various characteristics of what a follower of Jesus Christ should exhibit when he is at a true encounter with Christ. And this morning, Lord willing, we want to take a look at the characteristic of submission as how it is to be exemplified in our life. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn with me to the Gospel of John as we look at John chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. As you're turning to the passage this morning, can I mention a misconception when we talk about submission. Submission is not obedience. Obedience is not the same as submission. It is possible to obey without submitting. You see, obedience is an outward action, while submission is an inward attitude. And God calls us not just to obey, but He also calls us to submit. Perhaps this illustration will help you understand the difference. The story of a mother who orders her disobedient son to sit in the corner as punishment. After a couple of minutes in frustration and in anger, sitting there in discipline, this little boy yells at his mother, Mother, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I am standing up on the inside. He obeys as an act of will, but he does not submit. We want to understand what it means to learn to sit down on the inside. We want to learn what it means to submit. How do we do that? Let's take a look. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah... Do you love me more than these? Peter said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? Peter was grieved because the Lord said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The context of this chapter is that Jesus had resurrected. And prior to his ascension, he was appearing to his disciples to encourage them. Peter had denied Christ the evening of his crucifixion. All that talk amounted to nothing. And perhaps Peter was quite silent when Jesus would appear, feeling very down, frustrated, an absolute failure. Our Lord wanted to restore him. And so after appearing to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee and having breakfast, perhaps as they were uh, finishing up and cleaning up, Jesus pulled Peter aside to talk to him. He asked Peter to commit to doing something. He said, if you love me more than these, then you will do this. What was the these that Jesus was referring to? We actually don't know. Perhaps Jesus was pointing to the disciples. If you love me more than your friends. Perhaps he was pointing to the fishing boats. You remember, the disciples had returned back to their occupation after Jesus had died. Do you love me more than your occupation? Perhaps they were near the shores of Capernaum where Peter's house was, and he was pointing to Peter's home and his family. Do you love me more than your own family? Then there is a commitment that you must make, a commitment to love me above everything else, and to show forth that you must take care of my sheep. Every time Christ asked Peter if he loved him. Peter would say yes. Christ would tell him. You must commit to doing something. You have a responsibility. You must take care of my church. You see I want you to see from these verses. The first aspect of submission. And we draw it our first principle number one. Submission involves commitment submission involves commitment christ was saying peter you can claim with your mouth how much you love me how much you will submit your life to what i've planned for you but you must be committed to it and to show forth that you must take care of my sheep my church it wasn't going to be an easy task these sheep these people would question him they would challenge his authority. It would require of him time and commitment, energy. It would require commitment on his part. Why are we equating submission to commitment? You see, for many of us, submission in our minds is a one-time act. I submit to your choice of restaurant this afternoon. I submit to whether we're going to move or not. I submit to this decision, and then that's it. If I've submitted to you in this one action, then that should show that I'm completely submitting to you. But that's not the way it really works out. We like to keep score. If I've submitted to you in this area, then I get my way in this area. But when it comes to submitting to Jesus Christ, it's not a one-way, one-time action. It is a way of life. It becomes a lifestyle. When Jesus calls us to submission, he's calling us to submit to him with full commitment. Whether the going gets rough, whether there are trials or difficulties, we are fully committed to him. It's a lesson that I've I've had to learn the hard way, and I'm still learning that submission requires commitment on my part. If you were to ask me, Steve, uh, name one incident in your life where you submitted to the will of God, I'd probably tell you, well, nine years ago I submitted to the will of God and I moved my family here to the Philippines. At that time, I had no idea how hard pastoring a church like this would be, especially the many challenges that our church was facing. And if you were here more than nine years ago, you understood the challenges that our church was going through. But I also knew myself. Although, with my heart, I was willing to submit to what Christ wanted for me to come here, I understood that when the going got tough, I would bail. That's just who I am. In the spiritual immaturity of my life back then, I didn't like hardship. I don't want to experience difficulty. And so I knew that I would bail. And so, I prayed with my wife, and as a matter of personal conviction, we said, to show forth our commitment, unlike the other missionaries who come to Asia, we would not raise money to come to the mission field. We would live like the locals. We would take a local salary. Why? Not for you to feel pity for me, but for me to show forth that I am committed in this act of submission until God calls otherwise. Theoretically, it worked out really well. But practically, it was tough to live out. The first few years were difficult. Without getting into the details, there were times when I would come home and I would tell my wife, honey, I'm ready to move back. I'm ready to pack up my bags and I'm ready to go back to the U.S. And she, in her great spiritual wisdom, would say, honey, we we can't move back to the U.S., I said, why? She says, because we don't have money for the plane tickets. We were stuck here. Forced commitment. But through that experience, you understand what submission is. You understand that commitment plays hand in glove to submitting to the will of God. If as a child you say, I submit to the authority of my parents, it's not a one-time thing. It's through the course of your childhood. When a wife says, according to Ephesians 5, you are to submit to your husband, when a husband submits to the act of God, it is not a one-time deal. It is through the course of your life. It is a lifestyle. It is a lifelong commitment. I'm hitting this point hard because many of us will say at the end of this sermon, I submit to the will of God. And when the will of God is displayed to us and and made known to us and we don't like it, we bail. We drop out. You don't get to take back what you have committed to the Lord in submission to him. It's a difficult proposition. But to understand submission, you need to understand it involves commitment. What else does Christ ask of Peter? Look at verse 18 and 19. Jesus says to Peter, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. Peter at this point may have been thinking, you know what? I have learned my lesson. I will be fully committed to Christ. I will not deny Him. For the rest of my life, I will never deny Christ. I will follow in submission to Him. But then Christ has to add verses 18 and 19. Here in verses 18 and 19, Christ gives Peter a glimpse of how he will die. Peter, Christ says, If you submit to following me, then you will die a horrible death. You will die by crucifixion. When he says that your hands will be stretched out, another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. That's a euphemism for crucifixion. And here in these verses, we draw a second important principle about submission. Submission. Number two, submission involves sacrifice. We've forgotten that. Submission will require something of us. It requires us to give up control of our lives and give the wheel to our Lord. Submission involves sacrifice, even to the point of death in the case of Peter. And then after he's told Peter, How he would die Jesus says to him Follow me Jesus is asking Peter Do you still want to follow me? Do you still want to submit your life to me? Knowing what I've just told you Notice that Peter does not jump right in You see it's a lot harder Than you think Put yourself in the shoes of Peter this morning If you knew What submitting to the will of God would entail for your life, would you submit? It's hard. Tradition tells us that when Nero was persecuting the Christians in Rome, the Christians began to leave, and Peter was one of those who fled the city to avoid persecution. On the Apian Way, Jesus appears to Peter. In Tradition tells us that he asked uh, Peter this question in Latin, quo vadis. In Latin, quo vadis means, where are you going? Jesus was asking Peter, Peter, where are you going? So convicted by this question, Peter turned around and went back to Rome to minister to the people who had remained And there, he was arrested and crucified. And tradition tells us he was crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to be crucified as his Lord was. Perhaps our Lord is asking us this question this morning. Quo Vadis, where are you going? That day you placed your trust in me, that day you had a personal encounter with me, you said you would submit your life into my hands. Because if I can take, of your, take care of your eternal security, I can very much take care of your everyday problems. But we've wandered away. We've tried to escape. Because we don't like what God has planned for us. And so perhaps this morning God is asking you, Quo Vadis, where are you going Have you forgotten that submission involves sacrifice? Peter will never forget these words of Jesus when he writes the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. He will allude to how he will die his imminent death. When we submit to God, it is not an easy decision. No one ever said it was. It will affect your life. It it will change the very way you live because submission involves sacrifice. Now, God may not ask you of your physical life. I doubt any of you will ever die for the sake of Jesus Christ. But He may be asking of you your time, your resources, your children, your calling in life. It will require of you giving up your your most dearly held treasure, your most desire you've always wanted. This is a generation that has a very hard time understanding hardship because this is a generation that is so entitled. We do not understand sacrifice. And that's why serving is so important. If you want to understand sacrifice, start to serve. You see, the beauty of service is that there is no hierarchy in it. I like what Richard Foster writes in his Spiritual Disciplines book. He says, when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in control. When we choose to serve, when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge of What a foreign idea to us. We live in a culture that celebrates self-determination. And so when we volunteer to serve, let's say at a church, we have so many conditions before we will serve. You want me to come earlier? You want me to dress like this? You want me to appropriate another time? No. If it fits into my schedule, then I will serve. But unless you understand sacrificial serving, you will never understand what true service is. When you volunteer to serve, when you serve our Lord, you give up the right to be in charge. You don't get to demand anything. And that's what Jesus taught his disciples, that the way up is to go down. He taught his first disciples that the secret of becoming a great is to become servant of all. And he illustrated this by putting uh, the clothes of a lowly house servant and washing the grimy feet of his own disciples. That's the point of submission. It's about sacrifice. Why in the world would we want to do this if it requires so much of us? Look at verse 19. And this he spoke, signifying by what death Peter, note this, would glorify God. Was it worth all the trouble? Absolutely. If you understand that it is the purpose of submission, that the purpose of submission is to glorify God. It will make no sense to you. You don't get any benefits for submitting to Christ other than it glorifies God. You may never understand it, but it doesn't matter because it glorifies God. Sacrifice will never build us up. It is about His glory. Jesus at Gethsemane understood this in the humanity of who he was, he shuddered at the thought of weighing upon him who knew no sin, having the weight of all the sins of mankind. And he said at Gethsemane, Lord, if it's your will, Father, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. My friends, understand this. Understand this well. When you submit to God... You don't get your way. Understand? When you submit to God, you don't get what you want. Submission is not about your will becoming in line with God's will or or convincing God to have your own will. Submission is tossing out your will and accepting what God has planned for you. That doesn't mean in submission that you can't ask God and tell Him what is your heart's desire. In fact, God invites us to do so in prayer. But submission is then saying and and tacking on that phrase, so easy to say, so hard to live out, not my will, but thy will be done. What does that look like practically? For some of you, that means you will remain single for the rest of your life because you choose to stand on your convictions. Imagine that. For some of you, that may mean never having children yourself. In others, that may mean never being cured of your illness. Because the very nature of submission is yielding control of your life to Almighty God. And that means you don't get your way. What if God calls your most prized possession, your children, to be a missionary or to be a pastor? Although you may not say this, you are thinking this, Lord, I will give you my resources, but do not call my child, my only child, my beloved children, to ever become a missionary or a pastor. I will submit to you when you call me to give resources. But what if God asks of you, the most precious gift he's given you, How would you react? Would you say, yes, Lord, take them? Sacrifice is very difficult because we don't get our way. We've been praying for our our brother Segundo. We saw that in Profiles of Faith. Nine years we've been praying for him. God has not healed him. But if you were ever to visit him, you would see a man full of joy, full of peace. Not because he was healed physically, but because he learned to accept and submit to the will of God. You see, when it comes to sickness, illness, often the belief is that the pastor's job is to go stand beside you at the hospital bed and, and, and say some magical prayer and along with your prayer that person will get healed but the reality is in many cases God doesn't heal that person it's part of his sovereign plan not because he doesn't love them he loves them very much he died for them but because that is simply his will You see, my primary purpose, my job, your job as you encourage one another is not to twist the arm of God. It's to help one another understand and accept what God has planned for your life and their life. To to submit to it, to yield control. And when that moment of yielding comes, that sick person will find true healing. It's hard. But submission involves sacrifice. Don't you ever forget that. Verse 20 to 22. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, says to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Perhaps Peter at this moment is ready to sacrificially give his life in submission to our Lord. And of all people, he turns around and out of the periphery of his eyes, guess who he sees? He sees his most bitter rival, John. If you've been reading the gospel accounts, you understand that John and James and Peter are the three in the inner circle of Jesus. And these three have been jockeying for position to who would be first in the kingdom. John and James even use their mother to ask Jesus. That's, that's, That's unfair when you bring in your mother Ask Jesus, can you put my son number one and number two? Perhaps Peter, in his personality, wanted to show up John and James, and so he jumped out of the boat, only to halfway through, have him almost drown, never living that one down. Of all the people he saw, he sees his rival, John, and classic Peter comes out. Well, Jesus, if I've got to suffer for you, John has to suffer as well. Essentially, what Peter was saying is, okay, Lord, if I have to die, he has to die. We'll die together. He doesn't go on, but I'm sure he's thinking, if I've got to die by crucifixion, he's got to die by crucifixion as well. I'm willing to do it for you, Lord. Make him do the same thing. And look what Jesus says. Peter, if I will that he never dies, what is that to you? Of all the things that Jesus could say to Peter, Jesus had just told Peter, if you submit to me, you will die by crucifixion. And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, Peter, John may live forever. His eyes must have turned red. What? John will live forever? And I've got to die by the cross? And that's why the next verse, the rumor goes out, he'll live forever. But notice what Jesus asks Peter, verse 22. You follow me. He adds that preposition A pronoun, you. The pronoun, you. You, Peter, follow me. Forget what happens to John. It is none of your business what happens to John. Will you submit your life to me? And here in these verses, we draw out the third principle about submission. Number three, submission involves a personal decision. You don't submit as a group. It is a personal decision on your part whether you will follow Jesus or not. Jesus bluntly tells Peter, Mind your own business. Stop comparing. Peter's reaction encapsulates many of our own attitudes. We live the not fair attitude. Life is not fair. It needs to be fair. And so we compare and we complain. We look around and we see that some Christians don't ever suffer. They seem to be so blessed by God. Why can't I have that life, God? I bet you it's easy for them to submit because they seem to get everything. And so we play the comparison game. My friends, you are not called to compare. Christ looks directly at us and he asks us, will we submit our lives to him? Forget what everyone else has. Life is not fair. It will never be fair on this side of heaven. I need you to understand that. We didn't grow up in the same family situation. We didn't grow up at the same social economic levels. Christ does not redeem us so that we can live a fair life. Christ redeemed us when it wasn't fair to Him so that His grace can be extended to us. So Christ doesn't say, all you wealthy people, you must submit, or all you poor people, you need to learn to submit. He says, you submit to me. Now on a side note here, perhaps a different sermon for a different time, let me just point out that there are two games we Christians play two games all adults play young and old and these are games of life that we will always lose so don't start what are these two games it is the comparison game and the approval game if you play the comparison game or the approval game you will always lose so why play and yet we play it all the time in the comparison game you will always lose because there's always going to be someone better than you There's always going to be someone better looking than you. There's always going to be someone with more things. You will always lose the comparison game. You will also always lose the approval game. Because there will be days when no one gives you a pat on the back. You will not be commended for what you have done. In fact, the world will never accept you. And yet we're playing a game where we want the world to accept us to get their approval, to say, good job, you did the right thing. My friends, understand this now. In this sinful world, you will never win the approval game. And yet we play these two games all the time. Jesus focuses Peter and he says, Peter, if John lives forever, so be it. You follow me. Don't mind what others are doing. Don't mind what others have. You know, it's interesting that we don't get a response from Peter in the Gospels. How, how does Peter respond? Peter doesn't jump in like he normally does. and says, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll submit to you. If we read to the end of this book of John, you get no response. Did Peter ever submit his life to the will of God, knowing that by doing so, he would die by crucifixion, his most bitter rival, perhaps may live forever, and he would have to make a lifelong commitment? How come Peter didn't jump right in? Because I believe that Peter had to really reel back and think through this decision he would make. It's not a light decision. We think submission to God is easy, but it is not. It's easy to say it. It's hard to live out. I believe Peter really had to go back and think hard about this. What did he decide? Well, we never actually get the words of Peter. But from his actions, we know what he decided. This is the last reference to Peter in the gospel. You know, the next time we hear about Peter... It's in the book of Acts. And what's Peter doing in the book of Acts? In Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 2, Peter is boldly proclaiming the word of God. Peter will be imprisoned. He will be beaten. He will be put on trial. And yet, he praises God. He, He is bold for him. Still the same boldness, but with a changed perspective. Because now Peter understands That submission to God involves his lifelong commitment. It will entail his very own life. And it matters not what happens to John or the other disciples. What matters to him is that God is glorified. What about you? Have you submitted your life to God? Have you made that personal decision to commit the rest of your life to hand over controls to Him and not take it back? And whatever may come comes from the perfect will of God. Can you lay before Him your biggest dream, your your greatest desire, lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, here, Lord, it's yours. If you only lay before Him secondary things, that is not submission. If you can lay before Him, put at His feet your biggest desires, your gifts, what you want in your heart of hearts, then you will understand or begin to understand whole life submission. What does that look like practically? Perhaps your dream is to migrate to another country and you keep getting rejected. Can you rejoice with those who receive their approval and go to another country? Can you, in your hearts, rejoice with them and are completely satisfied in where you are? For some of you, it's been your desire to have children. And you see everyone in the church having children except you. Can you rejoice with them? And you yourself accept the fact that you'll never have children. For some of you, as you see everyone getting married in this church, can you rejoice with them? Praise God for the spouse that God has brought into their life. But in your case, you can rejoice in the fact that you have a close relationship with God and it doesn't affect you? Can you rejoice with others when when they've received the business deal that you wanted and you're genuinely happy for them? But knowing what the sovereign God has planned for you, you say, yes, Lord. I accept. It's easier said than done. No one ever said submission was easy. But if you can express that in the attitude of your life, then you will have begun to understand the joy of submission. It's not to have any aims in life or goals in life. It's understanding that what God has planned for you is the very best and that you so desire to glorify God in your life that you are willing to submit your life To the plans of God, so that whatever He calls you to do, whatever He calls you to be, you say, Yes, Lord, I surrender my life, I I submit my life to You, come what may. That's when life becomes exciting. That's when the journey never gets old. That's life with a purpose. That's a life that means something. Will you begin this morning to live a life of submission, but understanding it is not an easy decision. It is not a one-time act. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a lifestyle. It is my prayer that every person here at this church understands the sacrificial nature of of submitting your life before Almighty God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. A wonderful reminder even to me of how the Son of God submitted to the will of the Father and by doing so, I was saved. How can I not but submit my life to the one who loves me so much And whatever that journey will look like, I am assured that it is in the hands of a loving God. For our congregation this morning who love to be in control, help us to learn this great lesson of submission. Help us to exemplify it in every aspect of our life. Until the day we see, we can stand before you, Lord, and say, we have glorified you with our life may this be a church that learns to submit in jesus name we pray amen